Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. I feel so fortunate and so rich to be doing the work of Song of the Soul. Each week, I have the opportunity to encounter the wonderful music and deep souls of musicians around the country and world. And I feel that deeply today as I welcome Allie Handel to our program. Allie's musical home is in the orbit of Los Angeles, California, and her roots are rock. Not lukewarm, halfway rock, but all-out rock, like Led Zeppelin and Guns N' Roses. And your life will be richer if you watch the linked video of Ali Handel performing Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love. But that's her roots, not the totality of Ali's music. So you'll find her softer, reflective side as well in a number of the songs she's created as a singer-songwriter. Get ready for a wonderful ride as Allie Handel joins us by phone from Los Angeles. Allie, it's so great to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thanks, Mark. I'm glad to be here. You're in L.A. in some area. Where exactly? Yeah, I'm up in Sherman Oaks in the valley, as they call it. And you've been there long? Yeah, well, I've been in L.A. forever, pretty much, (laughs) ever since... I graduated high school, you know, I decided I wanted to go to college in Los Angeles because, you know, Guns N' Roses was here and I was a (laughs) full-on metal chick. And I came here for school and ended up staying because, you know, I really wanted to pursue a career in rock and roll. And, you know, this seems like a really good place to do that. And Guns N' Roses was an early favorite of yours. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Were you a teenage Guns N' Roses chick? Yeah, I totally was. I was a big fan. I went to some early, early shows when they were opening for other bands um, in clubs, and it was pretty amazing. <laughs> Are your tastes still with Guns N' Roses, or have you traveled elsewhere? Not so much. I've traveled <laughs> a lot <laughs> of other places, although I still do love that first record. That first record for me is one of my favorite rock records of all time, but yeah, I'm much more into kind of the singer-songwriter arena, especially with what I'm doing. But I really do love all kinds of music, not just rock and roll, not just the traditional singer-songwriters. And do you think of yourself as primary a lyricist, or the guitar is where you want to put all your licks in, or just how does this sit in your mind? I think it's morphed a little bit. When I first started, all I really wanted to do was be Jimmy Page. Like That was it. I wanted to be a guitar player in a band. After being in Los Angeles and in the music scene for a while, and being a lead guitar player in various bands, I decided I actually had more to say, and I started writing songs and started getting into singing again. And I had always sung, but I never thought I was very good, and uh, I wasn't really very good until I really put in some years of working at it, and um, became a singer-songwriter, and then really, a few years ago, started focusing on the craft of songwriting and focusing on that. Now I'm kind of coming around full circle, spending a little bit more time on my guitar and rediscovering how much fun it is to be a lead guitar player, singer-songwriter. 
Is that a mellowing out, though, too? I mean, you were a metal chick before, but now are you a, a semi-metal chick? I mean, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not definitely not that into metal. I'm not into metal anymore. <laughs> I guess you could say I've mellowed out, although I still really love like hard rock and music. But styles and production and sounds are very different today than they were back when Guns N' Roses was popular. And I really love the new way that producers tend to treat electric guitar and uh, it's kind of a more raw sound which i prefer to the more produced sounds of say the early 90s because i'm quite a bit older than you are i was right there when led zeppelin was coming out with their music you know? oh, i mean I, what, what was i in 10th grade or something when the immigrant song came out or oh, whatever i love, that. I love yeah. it yeah and I found a video link to you rocking out on Whole Lot of Love. And I do have to say, I think I'm seriously in love with you. Anybody you can do a Jimmy Page song, I, well, I mean, just wow. Oh, thank you. I love covering Zeppelin so much. I love it. And I can't do every song because when I cover it live, you know, I'll be Robert Plant and Jimmy Page at the same time. And my voice isn't suited to everything that Robert does. And to do both of those at the same time is quite difficult. So I'm, you know, I practiced for a long time to be able to do all that stuff at the same time with a whole lot of love. And I think I do Black Dog and now what is and what should never be. But it's really fun. <laughs> well, let's get people excited about your particular music. How do you want to start out your Song of the Soul? Well, since we've been talking about Zeppelin, why don't we start with my cover of What Is and What Should Never Be? Sounds good to me. I assume that music reverberates from you on the musical level, but also on the lyrics and the internal feeling of the meaning of the song. Where does this one connect with you? This one is all about the music for me. The bass line is so groovy. The way I interpreted the song, you know, I really changed it from something that had more of a straight-ahead beat to something that was a little bit more swingy in, in the groove and a little bit more laid back, even though it gets into a real rocking part. I just love all the different guitar parts. I love the melody. The lyrics, I don't connect to that much, but they're so fun to sing. And it's a song from my childhood that I just absolutely love. And when I found that I could do this song in kind of a jazzy way, it was really fun and exciting for me. You have a side of you which is a quite strong rocker. You also have, in particular in this song, I think, you've got some of the mellow or the sweetness that comes out to you until you get right past way up high in the sky. Oh, oh, and that's where Zeppelin is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will see that one of the things I love about Zeppelin and I think I take after them in this way is that they do both the super hard rock and stuff and then they really can mellow out and I love both of those kinds of music and maybe to my own detriment in that I tend to swing back and forth in what I like to do so my first record was a hard rock record and then my second one was completely acoustic and mellow and then I went back to super rock and guitar stuff for my third album. And, you know, I just think it comes from listening to bands like that when I was growing up that didn't really pigeonhole themselves into particularly one sound or one style. Well, I think people are tired of us talking about it. They want to hear. The okay, great. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> they want to hear everything you've got to share. And the first song that we're sharing for Ali Handel is What Is and Should Never Be. And if I say to you tomorrow Take my hand, child 
that was not Led Zeppelin you were listening to. That was Allie Handel and her version of What Is and What Should Never Be. That's on her 2017 release, That's What She Said. A great way to start it out, Allie. As you said, certainly Led Zeppelin is an influence for you. I noticed on the songs of your own that you've included for today's program that a lot of times you have co-writers. Yes, I love co-writing. What does a co-writer bring to it as opposed to what you bring to songwriting? It depends on who I'm writing with. A lot of the songs on this record were first-time co-writes with people. Well, I'll tell you about my tragic childhood later on. But for the (laughs) moment, we're going to listen to some more beautiful music from Allie Handel. Where do you want to go next? I guess we're starting off with kind of the softer side of me, which is great. When we talk about taking something negative and reinterpreting what it means, my song Breathing Underwater is a song that did that. It started off as a kind of a sad, woe is me love song, but over the years, it's one of my favorite songs to perform live. And the meaning for me has really changed into a song of empowerment and strength and making the best of a situation that maybe I wouldn't have asked for, but which ended up being for the best. This is Breathing Underwater, title track from 2004 release by Ali Handel, Breathing Underwater.
Allie Handel joins us today from the L.A. region of California, Sherman Oaks in particular, I guess. That song, Breathing Underwater, means you must not be terribly far from the ocean. <laughs> Are you also an ocean woman? I'm, I'm assuming this is a metaphorical underwater. It absolutely is. And I, you know, I love the ocean so much. My dad was in the Coast Guard and he lives on the water on the East Coast. And I think I inherited that love of the ocean. Although for someone who lives in LA, I never get out to the beach. It's it's really criminal, actually. <laughs> I should really be getting out to the beach more. But what I really love the ocean at night. I'm not a sun bather type of person, but I really do love the sound of the ocean and I love the feeling at the beach, especially at sundown. And living in LA, the water here, I mean, maybe for someone in Wisconsin, it's not too cold, but the water here to me is freezing. And uh, I prefer to swim in the ocean, you know, in Hawaii or maybe Florida or, you know, Australia, somewhere where it's warmer. But I loved it. Mexico actually is one of my favorite places, the Yucatan Peninsula. And oh my gosh, swimming in the ocean there is just heavenly. And I love diving as well. I'm not a certified diver, but I have dived in, in international waters. So the first time I went scuba diving was in Australia. And you could do it without being certified. You can also do it in Mexico. And those are two of the most beautiful places to scuba dive, especially when I did it um, in Australia. It was many years ago, and the Great Barrier Reef was just stunning and it was such a peaceful place it was you know i never forgot that but the underwater that you're talking about in breathing underwater and you're with your comment you know i can't make you come with me or mm-hmm. you know you don't have to what are you talking about there metaphorically i'm talking about acceptance accepting what is as opposed to resisting it because i feel like i spent a lot of time resisting what was, whether it was, you know, I love you, you don't love me, and resisting that. But once I learned how to accept those things, and it's a constant practice, it's not like I'm some Zen person who just accepts (laughs) things, but at least I know that I should be trying. And when I am successful at that, or when I'm more successful at accepting what is, things seem to go a lot smoother. And so the metaphor is really for accepting what is. The word Zen did come to me when you were talking before you actually said the word. What kind of spiritual outlook do you have on the world? Where does it come from in your life? Music. It's really 100% music. Music is my spirituality. It's, It's how I get in touch with my deeper self. I can believe that because I've got, I, we just had a monthly song circle at my house here yesterday. Oh. I really love music that way, but there's all kinds of music. And you could be talking yeah. about Renaissance songs, or you could be talking about Guns and Roses, or, <laughs> or Simon and Garfunkel, or whatever. So I'd like you to go one level further. What shapes your view? I mean, you evidently, acceptance is an important thing, and I think that's not a value for everyone. Some people think you're just supposed to batter the world until it bends to your desires. Oh, I do that too. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I definitely do that. I mean, I'm, I've been accused of being a workaholic by more than one person. So it's not about just accepting what is all the time it, without working to change things. I'm actually very involved in working to change things that I don't think are optimal in the world. Yet at the same time, there are certain things 
especially in my personal life, that I work to accept because it makes things go better and I'm happier. But in terms of music being my spirituality, when I'm writing, when I'm songwriting, I'm really tapping into that thing that makes all of us, you know, a common thread of humanity, especially lyrically. I feel like that's something that I try to tap into as, as much as I can. Musically, when I'm singing, I feel like that's an expression of my inner self. So that's a very spiritual feeling for me. Um, and I think music is a big part of many people's spirituality, whether they're religious and affiliated with a religious organization or not. Singing is a way that a lot of people do connect with each other and with nature. And we're going to connect all the more with you if you give us another song. You know what? I'm going to pivot and let's go for a song that I wouldn't say is necessarily spiritual, but it encompasses one of my very core beliefs, which is you get what you settle for. Um, and that kind of goes to not accepting things that you're not happy with and, or maybe accepting that that's where you are right now, but that you don't have to settle. That's been one of my core beliefs for a very long time. And that line is actually taken from one of my very favorite movies, which is Thelma and Louise. That was something that the writer of that movie, a woman named Callie Corey, she wrote that into the dialogue for one of the main characters. And uh, you get what you settle for, I think, is a really great phrase to live by. <laughs> Let's do that. You get what you settle for.
2017, Allie Handel released her recording, That's What She Said, and that song was on it, You Get What You Settle For. This is Song of the Soul, a Northern Spirit Radio production, on the web, northernspiritradio.org, with 13 and a half years of our programs for free listening and download. There's links to our guests. So if you don't know how to spell Allie Handel, that's A-L-I, H-A-N-D-A-L. Of course, the link is on our site. We'll connect you to that. I'll connect you also to her rocking out doing a whole lot of love, Zeppelin Tune, one of many songs that she loves and does beautifully. Also on our site, you can leave comments about our interviews. We'd love it if you'd comment on this visit with Ali Handel and all the other folks that we've had over these years, the hundreds and hundreds of musicians of all kinds of music and all talents of incredibly beautiful people all across this nation and internationally, in fact. So please post a comment when you visit. There's also a donate button. That's how this full-time work is supported. It's not from corporations, and it's not from government. It's because you, the listener, want to make it happen. Community radio stations are where it's carried. Some 38 stations nationwide carry our programs. So I want to make sure that you start by supporting community radio. Alternative music, alternative news, you get it there where you don't get it on any other station. So start by supporting them. And then remember to go to AllieHandle.com to find more about Allie. She's got four full-length recordings and some singles and such out there. You should track them all down and listen to them and get into the the depth of her music. Again, we just listened to You Get What You Settle For. And you're a can-do person. Now, you said your father was in the Coast Guard, and mm-hmm. he lives somewhere out in the East. Is that where you were before, or were you a California-born? No, I was born in New York, in the state of New York, and my family moved to California when I was about 11. So, yeah, I'm kind of both, by coastal. <laughs> <laughs> and where in New York? There's a lot of New York to choose yeah, from. Yeah, a little bit upstate, about 45 minutes north of New York City. My dad commuted into the city. He used to work in the Empire State Building when I was a little girl, and I used to love visiting him there. Well, and that song, You Get What You Settle For, you have noted with Gooding. Who's Gooding? He's an artist that I wrote that song with, and he's a phenomenally talented guy that I met on a songwriting retreat in Mexico, actually, where we did lots of body surfing. (laughs) It's wonderful. And snorkeling and diving and everything, right? Everything, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go on to some more music. We're going to get all of it in as quickly as we can within the 55 minutes that we have allotted. What shall we share next from Ali Handel? Let's do Everybody's So Naked. (laughs) Let's hear that one. I guess what I could say about this song was it was inspired. It was actually something that Katy Perry said in an interview on the radio show Fresh Air with Terry Gross. And she was being interviewed and she was complaining about other pop stars saying, everybody's so naked. And I was like, what? What? (laughs) Isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? (laughs) I don't know. But it did remind me of my experience as a Los Angeles musician, especially going on auditions for other artists when I was first here, you know, some of the advice that I would be getting from the older male people in charge of the industry was uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Show a little more cleavage, do a little uh, bit of yeah, this and that, all know. that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't so musically oriented advice, put it that way. 
Absolutely, absolutely. But of course, they are working with their standards, right? And <laughs> it's a tough line to dance around because yeah, my wife would have me dress better than I dress. Let let's say that conservatively. Right, she's That's probably all I got a lot in common with most wives. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you know, I. I do it my way, right? And it's not a lot of nakedness. But but on the other hand, it is true that in certain situations, when people judge you, it has big consequence for your lives. Mm -hmm. How did you deal with that kind of demand? It's like, you know, screw you, or is it... Pretty much screw you. I mean, you know, for a long time when I started out, I, I really kind of hid my curves and that kind of thing because I just wanted to be judged as you say as a guitar player and I didn't you know I didn't purposely make myself (laughs) unattractive or anything like that but you know I really just wanted to focus on the music as I started focusing on my own solo career I listened up a little bit about that and you know got a little bit more into you know having fun with clothing and that kind of stuff and makeup and became more of what I guess you would say a girly girl but where my heart is I you know if I could just wear my sweats all day and no makeup and all that (laughs) I would but you know I personally don't feel comfortable doing that I love that there are artists that do like well I don't know about wearing their sweats but like Alicia Keys you know doesn't wear makeup I love that I personally don't have that kind of uh, confidence and I wish I did but I love that there are artists out there who are part of that kind of movement of not wear, having to wear makeup or the body positive. You know, there's there's just so much stigma and there's such a narrow constraint for what women should look like who are singers, especially singers. There's not a whole lot of us who are lead guitar players, so there's, you know, not, a, not as many standards, I guess, for that, but... Really, I always felt a a huge pressure to conform to conventional beauty standards. And um, I think because of just the way I grew up, that's kind of on me. But I love that there are other artists who don't feel that. And I do too. But the words, folks, that you want to carry away from this one are, it's a race to the bottom. Everybody thinks you got to show them if you got them. And that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had fun with that one. (laughs) It's great. Here is Everybody's So Naked by Allie Handel. Show them if they got them naked. I don't want to. 
recording that's what she said everybody's so naked and telling it like it is and you know another one of the lines in there that i particularly like Allie, is i'm not going to be another overrated underweight girl who thinks she's got to get naked oh yeah overrated underweighted <laughs> <laughs> and i'm wondering from what you said you know you just don't have the confidence is that in part are you coaching yourself don't fall into that, Allie. Don't don't let them control you that way. Don't let them judge you with, you know, don't let their judgments control you. I mean, I think so. I mean, honestly, I think our own judgments control us way more than other people's do in, in most cases. You know, for me, I've been an independent artist my whole career, and I, I signed my first record deal uh, in 2017 with That's What She Said, and that was the first time I worked with anyone else who had anything to say and actually the uh, label owner had nothing to say about what I looked like you know which is great because I probably wouldn't have worked with him if he did you know but also at that point in my career I've been doing this for a long time and I have my own personal style at this point you know when I was first starting out I was a lot more unsure about you know which direction I wanted to go and felt comfortable going in well, you've clearly got the quality. You've put your time in to develop the chops in terms of lyrics and in terms of voice and, of of course, with your guitar. Oh, thank you, Mark. And we need another sample of it right now. Oh, okay, great. Let's do this most recent single. It's called Love More, and it was released in 2018. And it's a song that I co-wrote with um, an amazing artist named Debbie Holiday, And it's a song to try to help bring us together, particularly as Americans who have been so divided over this last several years politically. It's just a song about us kind of getting back to our roots of being kind to each other again. On the first verse, I think it's you singing. Is Debbie the second verse yes. that we hear? Yes, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, two amazing people. Allie Handel singing also with Debbie Holiday. Love more. Politicians destroy what I hold dear. I tried marching in the streets against bigotry and hate. Well, I'm doing my part to make America great, and I will not sit back.
wonderful anthem is Love More. It was co-written by Allie Handel and Debbie Holiday. Just released last year as a single, and you should go to AllieHandel.com and track it down. Allie Handel, A-L-I-H-A-N-D-A-L.com. Links on NorthernSpiritRadio.org, where if you look at her Song of the Soul interview, you'll find those kind of links, including the link to where she's doing Whole lot of Love. She does a, a great cover of that in a live performance that uh, you should only be able to enjoy along with the rest of the world. So it, you talked about that song, by the way, Love More, as being a it's it's rich towards healing it's such a divided country you told me that you're an activist you're not one to stand still you want to make the world be a, a better place i also think that sometimes the thing that you perceive as good the other person part of the uh, disunity is because people think that something else is good mm-hmm. how do you deal with that do you actually have those kinds of encounters I try not to have them online 
because I find that that is incredibly unhelpful. But I like to be able to talk to people in person. And I do sometimes have those encounters. I Usually, though, I try to approach people from what we have in common first. Because I find that people who I disagree with, say, politically, often there are things that we have in common. And if you get down to our core values and our core beliefs, if we can talk about them in a respectful way, it's a little bit easier to understand why someone is coming from where they're coming from. You know, people do have reasons for having different beliefs. And, you know, I may or may not agree with, you know, I I think sometimes it comes down to different core values and also I would say different beliefs in what motivates people. (laughs) Some people are just more pessimistic than others, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, who knows? They, They could be right. You know, I tend to be a bit of an optimist, but the older I get, I become a little bit more real realistic about human nature as I experience more humans, I guess. (laughs) Well, I happen to be a pretty extreme optimist. I'm used to communicating with people across a a wide span, even though most of my views would probably be called pretty liberal. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'm happy. How can I say it, Art? Actually, I find that because I'm actually am religious, I, I'm Quaker, but which is its own kind of religious, right? It's it's not doctrinaire or anything like that, uh, and because it's so inclusive, it doesn't stand as a barrier to discussing anywhere along the spectrum. How do you find the commonalities with? Can you can you think of a particular instance someone you talk to who uh, you know, all of a sudden you find common ground? Well, I I had an interesting conversation with a man on an airplane, and this was, I think it was shortly after the 2016 election, and he told me, and I am a total left-wing, you know, hippie, we just were having a conversation, and he started directing it towards politics, and in my head, I was just like, no, please, no. (laughs) But then we started talking, I think it was after one of the many shootings, unfortunately, and we started talking about the, the whole issues with guns and and we were able to have a conversation that was respectful and he I think also because he was respectful and he understood you know we talked about I don't think anybody wants children to die I really don't <laughs> you know even if they're pro NRA I don't think they want children to die but I I think it's all about having individual conversations with individual people because once we start generalizing about say the NRA or members of the NRA or this or that we start assigning motives to why people are behaving the way they are. And I just don't find that helpful. I, I, do, I do think we all tend to do that, you know, when we decide who are we going to vote for, where are we going to put our money in terms of charities and that kind of thing. But in having conversations with other people, it's usually not real helpful to think that we know why somebody believes what they believe. And, and often if we can stand to just sit and listen for a few minutes, um, people they tend to surprise you with something that you're like, oh, oh, you you do believe that too, that I believe. And almost all of us want to stand taller, shine brighter, and love more. Yeah. I don't think you're going wrong with anybody by advocating those three. Yeah, I think I think so too. I think we could all be a little bit kinder to each other and, and benefit from that. Well, it would be a great kindness from my point of view if you shared one more song for Song of the Soul. All right. Well, this is the last song on my most recent album. That's what she said. And it's called Last Lullaby. And it's a definitely a bittersweet song. <laughs> <laughs> 
What kind of bittersweet? Well, this one went through several iterations. I started writing this one. Now, I'm a, I'm a woman that has no children by choice. I'm very happily child-free, but I do have cats. <laughs> I, I, I call myself a crazy cat lady in waiting because I am married and I only have two cats. So I, I don't think I totally qualify for crazy cat lady. Although if you looked at my Facebook feed, you might disagree with that. <laughs> But I had one kitty that was very dear to me, and his name was Indy, and he was kind of like my soulmate kitty. And he died in my arms after a very long illness, and I started writing that song the night that, that he died. I was up with him all night, and then he died in my arms, and that's where the song originated. Now, I went through many rewrites of the song because I found that the way I had written it originally wasn't necessarily connecting on a deep level with people who heard it and people who were my songwriting teachers and mentors. And I played every song on this record for my songwriting mentors and, and got feedback and wrote and rewrote and rewrote until I was really happy with the songs. And that's what happened with this song. So by the time I was done with the rewrite, really it was not specific to, say, a pet dying. It was really about the loss of, of any loved one, whether it's your mom, your sister, your child, your pet. And that's kind of where this song comes from. But for me, you know, I always think of indie um, when I hear the song or when I play it. Well, it's a beautiful song. It does touch that deep connection and the sadness of saying goodbye. Folks, we're going to finish Allie Handel's Song of the Soul with her song, Last Lullaby. You'll find her at the website A-L-I-H-A-N-D-A-L, AllieHandel.com. She's over in the L.A. area, California. And Allie, it's been just a delight to get to know you get to know your heart, your music, your passions, all the way from Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, to Kitty Cats. <laughs> thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks to Andrew Jansen for our production help on today's program. We're going to see you all next week for Song of the Soul. Here is Last Lullaby by Ali Handel.
The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.